What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sitting, here, sitting here trying to uh, figure out why Shakur Stevenson, and even if you're not a big boxing fan, Shakur Stevenson fighting on a Thursday night is kind of wild, man. Like, that's one of the top talents in the game. And then I realized... Oh, you know what's happening in Vegas this weekend? The Formula One event. Oh, there yeah, you go. they got the Formula One street racing event. So, you, you know, they, they, they pulling a, a Gavin Newsom out there in, yep. in yep. San Francisco. You got yeah. the dignitaries coming yeah. in. You, you niggas got to yeah. get the fuck out this city. <laughs> they gonna fuck around. And, they gonna fuck around and make everybody express checkout <laughs> immediately. Right. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, out of here by sundown. Okay, you and your, your boxing riffraff, get the fuck out of here. We got we got international money coming in in the house. All right, so yeah. enjoy. You got some sheiks. Got some yeah, sheiks yeah, coming in. Right, right, right. Yeah. We got crazy money coming in here, man. That's man, nice. you know, boxing used to be such a big deal, man. When I was oh, a yeah, kid, man. like like so many memories of watching it with my dad, like 
waiting for Larry Holmes fights and like Mike Tyson fights and stuff. Like, what happened to boxing? Why is it on yeah. a Thursday, man? You know? What happened to boxing is the boxing kind of ate itself. But I mean, you know, it's, it, we we've had these conversations before about like what happened to boxing, and then Floyd Mayweather will will, will fight and, and break pay per view records every single time. Or, right. Like, oh, totally. Boxing, boxing is still and it is still my favorite uh, event to cover. Uh, fight night in Vegas, fight night Madison Square Garden. I've had the opportunity to cover. Um, Fight night period. The energy on fight night is just, just, just outstanding, right? I had a chance to cover the uh, the Terrence Crawford fight. Uh, well, not cover. I went out to Vegas with my guys for the Terrence Crawford fight. My grandfather uh, was a huge boxing fan, and uh, working over at the Westin, you know, Chicago used to be a huge boxing hub, and a lot of huge fights took place right in this city. And, you know, he's, he had autographed pictures of Sugar Ray Robinson and people like that. So he kind of, you know, the fight game is kind of passed down to you the same way I think baseball is for a lot of people, where if you don't have somebody in your family that's into it or that's interested in it, it's kind of hard to uh, get acclimated. But if you got somebody that's going to give you the game and, and make you appreciate it, like, there, there's nothing like a good fight to me. It's, it's the reason why that I've said this now for so many years, and at this point, it's it's not really even applicable because I I, I try to take in uh, as much MMA stuff as possible. But it, it was so hard for me when the UFC first got together, and you know Bellator and MMA, just mixed martial arts fighting. Period. I remember getting the first UFC fight as a kid, uh, and you know ordering it behind my parents' backs. And there was no weight classes. There's dudes in there just fighting in there, like regular get-up. I believe there's a dude who's in overalls. I'll never forget, this dude is in overalls and this giant beard, and he's fighting this dude who's like 100 pounds less than him. I'm like, what the hell am I watching? Am I going to get in trouble for this? Like, all those things. But the fact that you could get somebody out on the ground to fight them, it was always... Like, my brain wasn't wired like that, right? Like, that's street fighting to me. But the sweet science and angles and defense and punch delivery and counterpunching, you know, taking a punch to give a punch, uh, that stuff has always been off the charts fascinating to me. So, um, yeah, the fact that Shakur Stevens is fighting on Thursday night is kind of wild. It's kind of wild. Welcome on in to episode 316 of the Full Goal Podcast. I know you're like, hey, I didn't come here for boxing. Well, what did you come here for, huh? I'm, you know what? We're going to have a few pods where I'm not going to talk about things that bother us as, as Chicago sports fans, okay? So that means I just can't talk Chicago sports, right? What, what y'all want to talk about, huh? You want to talk about Shohei Otani and the deal, the, the mesmerizing deal that the Cubs are reportedly set to put on his table? Uh, you want to talk about that? You want to talk about Conor Bedard being all world and, and, and Blackhawks fans having something to root for and this city having something to root for again? You want to do that? Because everywhere else we turn, it's uh, slim pickings around here. Um, let's just start where we should start. So the relationship between Zach Levine and the Chicago Bulls looks like it's coming to an end. And it should be over at this point. Um, they're about a month out before anything can really move around in terms of the December 15th date where players who have been recently signed are eligible to be traded. Uh, if, you're, if, if you're just tuning in, you know, if you didn't listen to our last pod where we talked about this, yeah, 
the, the rumors are out there. The, the reports are being bandied about and also being you know, the, the, the principal characters are being questioned about this. I can't wait to hear what our tourist Carter Chauvis or Mark Eversley has to say about Sean Sharania's report. Uh, Casey Johnson from NBC Sports Chicago has been over this story, all over this story for a while now. Um, this stuff has been lingering for a while, and Zach Levine is at a point where, uh, you know, it, it, I haven't seen Zach move like this in terms of the energy out there on the court. He hasn't looked or felt like himself the first couple of weeks of this season. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, He's actually, you know, it was it was very very um, very very important that Zach Levine remain professional. I think throughout throughout this offseason, so you can get to this point. You know, we heard these trade rumors, whether it be the Knicks and some other teams, Sacramento Kings, who had offered him the offer sheet years back that the Bulls had to match. There was a lot of talk about teams who were inquiring about. Zach Levine services and the Chicago Bulls weren't doing, I guess, enough in people's eyes to tamp down those rumors or deny those rumors. And you got to do your due diligence. And the reason why I say that this thing should be over is because there just hasn't been enough winning. And it's as simple as that. When we talked about it on the last pod, I had nauseam. Then you get a game where DeMar DeRozan is out due to personal reasons. And we hope that everything is okay with DeMar and his family. Uh, we know that, you know, that supersedes anything in terms of sports, but you get a game against an Orlando magic team who was last two out of the last three times beating you and talk crazy while they beat you a young team with a lot of gumption, a young team with a lot of fight. And you get an opportunity. If you're Zach Levine with a guy who you've been riding sidecar with, or, you know, shotgun with and DeMar DeRozan, you get an opportunity to, to not not save the day, but you get an opportunity to shine. And Zach Levine had one of his worst games, I thought, in terms of an impact level for three quarters, I think, in his Bulls career. And then in the fourth quarter, it was everything about the Magic Bulls game uh, on what are we what, Thursday? So on Tuesday night, or Wednesday night? Yeah, on Wednesday night. Uh, everything about the Bulls came through in that game. You had issues shooting the ball. Both teams were putrid, by the way. Both teams were off shooting the basketball. But you had issues shooting the ball. You had issues with discipline. You had issues with fundamental things like boxing out and and not allowing Jalen Suggs to jump over people who were two, three inches taller than him for key tap-outs and rebounds, second-chance opportunities with which the Orlando Magic feasted on. And then you also had miraculous shot making like Zach Levine was horrible for three quarters of a basketball game shooting the ball. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, he gets one reverse layup feels good about it. Next thing you know, dribble handoff, step back three uh, to tie the game. Like he, he got hot really, really late in that game. And it was so bulls because in the end, if they had won that game, it would have been like a lot of the bulls wins over the last two and a half years where miraculous, uh, odd-defying, uh, you know, degree of difficulty shot-making wins you a game instead of the, the things that you can uh, staple yourself, attach yourself to in terms of an identity, game in, game out, being the thing that won the game. 
So when Zach Levine goes crazy and, and Alex Caruso is out there making defensive plays, all the Bulls things were happening. And then at the end of the game, you get matchup recognition, which has been a bull sore spot for the last couple of years as well, whether it be on offense or on defense, this time on defense, where Alex Caruso at six foot four, 210 pounds, soaking wet, is cross matched because I will give the Orlando Magic this for a young team, they understand matchups. They understand matchups, and seemingly they understand matchup recognition a lot better than the, a veteran team in the Bulls. Paolo Bancaro down the stretch was calling for pick and rolls with anybody who Zach Levine was guarding because he wanted to get Zach Levine on his hip. He did that with Alex Caruso down the stretch, and Alex Caruso, of course, is going to take up that match because he's one of the best defensive players in the game, so he can guard a four and a pitch. But you don't want to have him pound the rock down low and then all of a sudden raise up in the paint like Tyler Bancaro did. There was a couple of dribbles where no help came. And then Nikola Vucevic, who's pretty much side-by-side at this point with Alex Russo, doesn't put an arm up, doesn't put a hand up. Paolo Bancaro raises up in the lane now. Shout out to the the NBA last two-minute report, which is always kind of seemingly spurned the bulls. They say that Paolo Bancaro traveled, but you can't really do anything about it after the fact. Nikola Vucevic doesn't put his hand up. Paolo Bancaro rises up over a guy who's five inches shorter than him, 40 pounds lighter than him, that he was backing down. The matchup recognition that got the Bulls beat was representative of the kind of basketball that we've seen. And the reason why this team has been a 500 for the most part team and sometimes sub 500 team is because they don't have anything that they can cleave to in a pinch and say, this is what we are. This is what we can count on. And it just seems like, you know, they've been rolling along counting on DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine to be the superheroes. And they, they just can't be counted on to be that every single night. And you don't want to count on anybody doing that every single night. Hell, look at the Dallas Mavericks the last couple of years, right? Luka Doncic has had the most usage that you can get uh, back-to-back years. He's been the front-runner in the preseason for the MVP award. He's got all the things that you think a, a long playoff run would, would need and, and suffice. But guess what? You missed the playoffs last year. You can't count on the degree of difficulty being on one person solely and expect to sustain success over a long period of time. Now, the reason why I say this Zach Levine-Chicago Bulls relationship probably needs to come to an end is for Zach's sake, too. You know, this, he's got 10 years in the game now. Probably got another five years where he's going to be playing like this. At some point, you're going to want to go win. And Rich Paul and Clutch Sports are going to do whatever they can for their client to be put in the best position. You know, and, and we've seen it happen before. Rich Paul works hard for his clients. And the fact that he was in town, the fact that they took that, you know, that, that front row seat at the at the, uh, the the tip off classic at the United Center, like it's all strategic. It's all strategic. And I'm not saying like it's game playing, but you know they they've staked their claim and they they've made their wants known. And Zach says, you know, at the beginning of the season that none of that smoke was coming from his camp, and now he's answering questions as if, hey, you know, I just got to be a professional. So there's been an obvious turn in. Uh, where the relationship has gone. All I know is the first 11 games of the NBA season, you've had two national stories about this NBA team that we have here in the city of Chicago. Neither one of them have been shining moments. One, 
was a quote unquote players only meeting after the first game that the Bulls got clowned about nationally, near and far. And now this. You're gonna get pennies on a dollar back for Zach Levine. You are not going to get a a a player of the same caliber, a package that you're going to really enjoy as a as a, a Bulls fan. Like nothing, nothing is about to happen, Bulls fans. In this next month, is going to make you happier about this team. And you may say that, hey, Zach Levine's off the team. I might, I, I, I'll just be happy with that. There's a lot of people who don't like Zach for whatever reason. I'm not one of those guys. I understand what Zach Levine is, and I also understand what he isn't. That's why I said when he signed with Max, you can go back and check whatever pod that was. Hey. That price tag don't change who you are. Of course, you want to refine some of those skills, but in the end, the same warts are there. And a $43 million Zach is a lot different for, uh, you know, cap considerations than a $25, $26 million Zach. So going forward, Zach's got to figure out what's best for him. And also, Rich Paul's going to do what's best for his client. Bulls fans, this is not going to feel good, look pretty at all. And the other thing, too, Please believe that Sean Sharani report in the beginning of the season about DeMar DeRozan wanting to see where the direction of the team goes. Yeah, that's a part of this as well. Because I don't know if you're going to be able to trade Zach Levine, but look at DeMar DeRozan and say, hey, you and Nikola Vucevic got the, the run of things. Go ahead and handle your business now. And DeMar DeRozan's in his 15th year in the NBA. I think, I think, I think Wednesday was a pivotal crossroads in whatever the direction going forward for this Bulls franchise is. Hey, and I don't want to understate what, what that day should mean going forward because things have changed and they will forever be changed going forward. Now, will you rebuild? Will you retool? All these other questions, you know, all the, all the stuff about these young players and not being able to uh, get that deference out of their system. Well, you know, if Zach Levine's not here, all right. Time to step up, everybody else. There's going to be more shots. Okay, if DeMar DeRozan isn't here, then what are we talking about? The person with the most security right now in that big three is Nikola Vucevic with that three-year long-term deal. So are you resorting back to being the Orlando Magic from a few years ago with Vooch at the center and, and being the focal point of an offense and, and trying to finish in the bottom half of an Eastern Conference playoff race? Or are you kicking the tires on a rebuild? I don't know if this organization right now will be able to sell within themselves a rebuild. And hell, I don't know if Bulls fans frankly care. And that's a wild place to be. It's a wild place to be. You know, Bulls fans' apathy is starting to settle in. And, you know, people have been talking to me about booze and all these other things. Hey, hearing the booze is a good thing because that means people still care. When you don't hear those moves, that means the place is empty. That means the people that are there are just there for a little dinner theater and not there because they're Bulls fans anymore. And that could be argued that that's already happened. So don't take for granted what Wednesday, uh, what was the date? Let me, let, me, let me be real dramatic here real quick. Don't take for granted what Wednesday, November 15th means in terms of the Bulls' future. Don't take it for granted. That, that game, and I haven't even gotten to the end of it when Patrick Williams gets the ball with a minute and a half. I'm sorry, not a minute. It seemed like a damn minute and a half. A second and a half on the clock and dribbles it out without getting a shot off. Like, that's all you need to know. You talk about bulls in a nutshell, lack of awareness, lack of matchup uh, recognition, 
Lack of fundamentals down the stretch. I mean, difficult shot making that that went in. That's how you get into the playing tournament. That's that's that that, that that's what the 10th or 11th seed or the 12th seed smells like. The team should not be battling where they're battling at. And now at four eight, playing Orlando again on Friday, back to back games against the Miami Heat. After that, Miami's playing with some of the best basketball in the league right now. Like all you can ask now is for Zach to be an appreciating asset before you trade him. And also, we haven't, you know, Zach said, he, he made a comment the other day, like, this has been the last three years of his life. And it was a little insight to how much this is all, you know, um, been top of mind for him. You know, Zach is the, 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 the super cool, super confident guy, and, and that's always front-facing. But, you know, there, there has to be some insecurities there. There has to be. You're one of the players that has been champion over the last couple of years being like, hey, y'all, y'all see what Zach Levine doing in Chicago? Like, you know, there's this four, five, six, seven, eight guys around the league that we do that with that are in other cities. Like, hey, I don't know. You watch this dude over here? Because he puts up ridiculous point numbers. And then on top of it, he's been efficient as hell shooting the ball. And it always happens when a team is losing where other cities and other fan bases look at a guy like, oh, man, we need to poach that guy. We need to hit that guy. You, I, I, you know what I mean? We need to get Zach Levine off the Bulls uh, conversations and, and tweets and comments left on IG posts that I've seen. So there's that going for him. He's understanding that his value around the league might be different or he might be um, received differently or maybe used differently or respected differently in a, with a different franchise. All that stuff starts to seep in, man. Especially when you're uber confident and all you keep doing is lose. Because let's face it, since Lonzo Ball went down, this team has shown you exactly what it was over the last year and a half. It's been a rudderless ship with two experienced premier scoring wings. And the problem's been the offense. And now that the defense has slipped, that's when you know, that's when you know it's time. Defense is, is terrible now. It's one of the worst defenses in the league. I didn't believe it last year when they were a top six or top seven efficiency rating, but the numbers are the numbers. And I believe they had to do some things like, you know, floor balance wise, not crash the glass ever and really get any second chance shots like you're supposed to in the NBA, the balance of crashing and the balance of, uh, of dropping back. They, they allowed no transition points damn near last year. They, they were one of the best transition defenses in the game because of what they, what they, deployed defensively. So now you're playing regular basketball and you're getting beat defensively. So this is a, this is an odd time. And I, you know, I wish the best for Zach. This next month is going to be weird. He's going to get all the questions. We're going to find out uh, how cool Zach truly is. And that's not a shot. That's not shade, but everybody has bad days and he's going to get these questions on bad days coming up here over the next month, because that's what happens when rumors come out and you know, you are linked to being open to trades this early in the season as well. The market hasn't even set itself. So injuries and all those other things haven't truly set in for some of these Western Conference contenders. You know, I've seen the Lakers proposed deal or prospective deal and the Miami deal and the Philadelphia deal. None of these deals are bringing back anybody better than or, or at the same level as Zach Levine. So know that you're not going to get 
some knockdown drag, like, oh, this is, well, the Bulls won this deal. You're not going to feel that way, Bulls fans. You're not. Simple as that. And you can dangle all the first-round picks in front of me that you want. Man, stop it. <laughs> first-round picks in the NBA now. You know, unless you're talking about that top five, top six, we, we talking about role players. Hell, after the top three these days, role players are being drafted. This has become the minor league baseball draft. So I, I don't get really hyped about first-round picks, especially with teams who are trying to, to add to a, a contender. And let's face it, the Western Conference, you know, about 10 or 11 teams that think they can make the playoffs. 12 teams that think they can make the playoffs. Not to play in, the playoffs. Shit, Houston messed around and won more games than they thought they would to start this season. Right? San Antonio has been interesting. Like Sacramento has got De'Aaron Fox and, you know, Demonis Sabonis, they might be souring on him a little bit. So there, there, there are a lot of teams who I think could use Zach Levine, but for the most part, this thing has run its course and it's always best to know when a relationship is over so there aren't any hard feelings going forward. And the, the next month or so, I expect these talks to heat up. Uh, I think that Orlando game was a distinct look into um, the fragility of this franchise, to be honest with you. You know, this is the house of cards and the decisions that are going to happen over the next month or so are going to chart the course for the next two, three years of Bulls basketball. So we'll see. Um, I would have not have come into this this year. I, I'm on record with the continuity thing. I thought they had to make a move this offseason to shake some things up. I uh, thought they should have sold high on a guy like DeMar DeRozan. Uh, DeMar has been outstanding. Been a great dude. Uh, he's he's done everything that you've asked him to do. But there's a ceiling, right? And once you reach that ceiling, it's pretty much a stare down with you and your fan base in, in terms of all right, y'all think we're gonna win still? All right, they don't think we're gonna win. All right, yeah, we go ahead and do this now. You know what I mean? That's that's all that's happening. And this team is not going to win anything as presently constituted. So it's probably best for those two parties to move along. And also some other moves to be made. Now we'll see because I'm not in board meetings. I don't know what bottom lines people have. Like that's the other thing. When we talk about basketball, we talk about these trade machines and all these other things, fantasy. Hey, there are bottom lines. There are several several different families who, who are eating off of this organization. You don't know what's happening with cash flow. You don't know what's happening with futures. You don't know what's happening with changes in power in family. Like the, you'd be surprised how many trades don't happen or how many trades do happen because uh, a family patriarch or a family matriarch is, is passing things down to a son or a daughter and, 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 and they want to go a different route or don't care about being a part of an organization like this. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things happen behind the scenes. So going forward over this next month, I'll be interested to see what moves happen, what moves are made. And we're going to be talking about it because for Zach Levine's name to be on the trade block this early, uh, for any star's name to be on the trade block this early, there, there, there's going to be piranhas in the water. And if, if injuries happen around the league or teams stay hot after an early, you know, jump start, there are going to be people kicking tires on a guy who can score 24, 25 points a game and, and do it pretty efficiently as we've seen over the last couple of years. So yeah, in closing on the Zach and Bulls thing, um, I think Zach has been admirable in the way he's carried himself through the Jim Boylan era. And now through this era, um, I think there are still some flaws and warts in his game that I wish we could have found out a little bit more about if the ball had been placed squarely in his hands uh, before the DeMar DeRozan uh, uh, acquisition and then after DeMar 
You know, DeMar was hurt uh, down the stretch of, of last year. And I, I thought there would have been a, 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 the right time to put more onus and more responsibility uh, right there at the doorstep of Zach Levine. So going forward, man, this Bulls thing is going to look a lot different. And I'm looking forward to newness because they just haven't won enough. And in the end, it's an entertainment business, but also it's a winning business. And they haven't been as entertaining as we thought they would be. And they definitely haven't won as many games as I know they think they should have. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. All right, I think it's going to be a score fest. Bears, Lions, you know the deal. The Lions are one of the best teams in the league. The Bears are getting Justin Fields back. I think it might be a little bit of a shootout, so I think the Lions are going to provide most of that shooting. I got Sam Laporta as an anytime touchdown score. I got Amon Ross St. Brown as an anytime touchdown score. I got David Montgomery going against his former team as an anytime touchdown scorer. And I got Jameer Gibbs as an anytime touchdown scorer. So you might say to yourself, Jason, that's 7, 14, 8, 21. That's at least 28 points you think the Lions going to put up on the Bears. Yes, I said it was going to be a shootout. They put up 41 last week. I think they got at least 35 in them against this Bears defense. Hopefully Montez Sweat can get to Jared Goff, but I don't think it will be enough. So once again, I got Laporta, St. Brown, Montgomery, and Jameer Gibbs in our same game parlay for Bears-Lions as any Anytime touchdown scores. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet. You got the live same-game parlays, right? Not just the, the, the pregame SGPs. You can find bets, and you can dive into the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash FullGo. That's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel the official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Coming up next on the Full Go Podcast, we talk to a fellow podcaster now, huh? One of the hosts of the Point Forward Podcast. He is former number two overall pick in the 2010 NBA draft, Evan Turner, former Ohio State Buckeye, and of course, uh, most importantly for people here in the city of Chicago, St. Joe's representative. Uh, we'll talk to Evan Turner about life in the NBA, life after the NBA. You know I had to ask about the Derrick Rose-Evan Turner rivalry and how real that got. Uh, we get some interesting stuff out of ET, so give it a listen right here on the Full Go Podcast. 
Um, and thank you so much for joining us, man. I truly appreciate your time. Evan Turner here with us on the Full Go Podcast, brought to you by The Ring. And of course, Spotify is the gang. Now, Evan, you know, I was looking forward to this. And the reason why is because not many people have like encompassed the entire basketball journey the way that you have been able yeah. to throughout your life, man. You, you go from the high school recognition in St. Joe's being one of the best players in the state. Then you go to college, national player of the year. You get drafted second overall by the 76ers. And you you, you go through a 10-year NBA career, which, you know, I talked to Kendall Gill uh, as my my, my uh, co-worker at NBC Sports Chicago. I talked to Kendall all the time about how people take for granted what staying power is yeah. in, in a professional league. And then you decide to jump into the coaching side of things. And now the Point Forward podcast with you and Andre Godala. Shout out to y'all. Y'all made that move to SB Nation. Uh, congratulations to you guys. So this ride, man, like how many how many different iterations or different examples of what Evan Turner has had to evolve into throughout these years? Like what going back on and looking back at 2010 and looking at this entire journey, yeah. what, what stood out to you the most, man? I just, like you said, having to be adaptable, you know, I think one thing that occurs, uh, you know, talking about my childhood or like my amateur career was, you know, that was in a different, uh, you know, time frame, different point of like my life and career, but I was also on a completely different, you know, financial position as opposed to, uh, in the spotlight, as opposed to when I started my career, I started, you know, 2010, I started number two pick. I had like a lot of eyes and spotlight on me. And, um, you know, when you go into, uh, on a team in a locker room and things like that, it's, it's all about adjustment and adapting. And, um, I guess, you know, one thing I had to do is uh, adjust and adapt my expectations and how things were going to go. And, you know, like you said, the staying power, I think one thing that I really recognize from, uh, that I can really remember was my fourth year leaving, uh, Indiana Pacers, and comprehending like shit, I'm not getting lead scripts no more. You know what I mean? And that was the little point of being like, do I go overseas and fight this and argue this, or do I stay and try to fight and continue to, you know, fight for my dream and, you know, push a four year career into a 10 year, you know, NBA veteran career that, you know, really happens. And I think that's one thing that's definitely helped me was being aware and being willing to adapt. And, you know, they say like the last miles of least crowded. And I've, I've always tried to, you know, take that uh, mindset or approach towards my, my goals. I just know showing up half is half the battle. Take it back to St. Joe's, man, because I remember a time where the conversation was you, Derrick Rose, there was certain dudes you had McCamey on your team, yeah. you know, you, you roll with Dimitri, like there was, there was a, because for a while there, there was talk like Chicago wasn't making the, 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 not just college stars, but NBA players. There was a, there was a gap. We've talked about it on this, on this pod where for a good five, six years, the CPS was being looked at crazy and the suburbs were, you know, weren't putting out guys. And then all of a sudden there's this influx and infusion of talent yeah. that time. And I'm going to talk to you about uh, the Sixers bull series that you were a part of as well but that time in high school when did you know okay this this is this is serious this isn't just be me being nice at, at hooping this is this can this could take me places well, you, you gotta think when i was in eighth grade i was pretty good so me and iman shumpert played in the same middle school backcourt 
So when I showed up and they had me on freshman team, I'm like, oh, this is pretty serious, I guess. Like, when I'm seeing Dimitri playing sophomores in varsity and then Tony yeah. and Jonathan Peoples. So I'm like, oh, I guess I got a lot more work to really show what was going on. And that was just like the first step of like getting re- the, the recognition from my local, like just getting attention of a legendary coach, Gene Pingator, and, you know, really saying like, no, I'm not one of the best ones at the school. I'm one of the best ones, you know, our best ones on the freshman team, I'm one of the best ones at the school. And granted it came with confidence, but, um, you know, growing up in Chicago, a lot of people don't understand. I went to St. Joe's, but I grew up on the West side. So I was supposed to go to Farragut. So that's where Chris yeah. and Terry and them went like, so when people, me and Jason Tatum, we always joke. I'm like, yo, I'm, we alley boys. Like I didn't grow up in the streets, but I was in the, I was outside in the alley. Right. I kind of comprehended, like you know, you can play in Chicago, you can play anywhere. But to come up and to really hoop in this area is pretty crazy. But I think when I hit 16 or 17, I was looking at the rankings and I'm like, damn, like the top 20 is going Division One. This isn't normal. Like right behind us is. Iman Shumpert, who was a you know all American, right in front of us, a mm-hmm. Shire, Sharon Collins, some Pat Bev, some of the biggest names going to the biggest situations. And my AAU coach at the time, Mike Mullins, was like, "If you can play here at this time, you can play anywhere. So don't ever let nobody lie to you. If you can play in Chicago, whoever's coming to call you is smart enough to know you can play anywhere." And I think uh, by the time I did the Proviso West tournament back in like. What year is that? Oh five? Yeah, going to 05, my junior year, we mm-hmm. won that. I kind of knew, like, all right, like, I'm getting pretty good. I'm getting at this level. And then we played Derrick Rose in high school. And whatever occurred, I was like, okay, I think I'm I think I'm like that. And that's when I knew it was kind of getting crazy because D Rose was the best player I ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a couple battles where I was like, uh, this. I'm not saying I'm nice, but I'm, I'm I look something. I'm like there. And, right. And I remember somebody came up to me. I, I forgot who it was. He played with Ben. He played with Ben Wilson, and he was, and he legit was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I used to play with Ben Wilson. Like whether you think so or not, your game is a lot like his. You got it." There would be people that would come up to me every blue moon, like Coach Pingator would tell me, like, "Yo." Don't mess this up. Don't act like a fool, but like you have a chance to make it and play in the NBA. I've seen a lot of people. And I think, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, show up with half the battle. And like I said, I was around the right people that saw something in me to, you know, keep guiding me the right way. And, uh, you know, it ended, you know, allowing me to live my dream, you know. Why Ohio State? You know, I know DePaul was on your heels. I know a couple of local schools. Yeah. I know the Big Ten was all about it. But why Ohio State? Why why choose that path? Why go to Columbus? So a lot of people don't know, but my dad's side is from Ohio. So like mm. every summer from like age nine or ten, I would be spring and summer. I would be in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, so you got indoctrinated? Yeah, so okay. Like <laughs> my first time visiting was when uh, Ohio State went to the Final Four with uh with UConn back in '99. So. Mike Red, Scooney Pen. It was a Scooney Pen, Mike Red. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? So, like, and you ever been to Columbus? That Buckeye love kind of just goes into your blood. And, um, you know, from there, I was going to Clark Kellogg camps. I was going to Ohio State sports camps. And, um, you know, I was always familiar with it. And by the time I hit 16 or 17 years old, you know, Ohio State was kind of on me pretty hard. And, um, you know, they had John Diebler. Dallas Lardell, you know, some good players, but ahead they had Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Daquan Cook. And when I was a kid, you know, not dodging the smoke, I was like, I want to get to the league. Like, 
I'm going where the killers are. And like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm saying like a killer be kill type vibe. And it's just like, if I need to get to a league, I got to battle these dudes each day. And, you know, Coach Mata had a personality that wanted you to run through the wall for him. And uh, shout out to Illinois, but they didn't offer me until after every other Big Ten school offered me. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, bro, I call it. And they had Eric Gordon. I know they were trying to get D Rose. And it's like, if you don't get D Rose, I don't know if I'm going to pull up, but should I be the third fiddle there? So if you offer me last minute, it was just, it was just one of those things, but O state was the best situation. I feel like God starts planting seeds. You know what I mean? And you mm-hmm. and your path years in advance. And I think uh, I always say, was it follow a sign? Cause it's always a sign. And that's, that's what I read. I want to take you to 2010, your rookie year. You get drafted in Philadelphia. I spent I spent many a Thanksgiving and many a post summer break in Philadelphia because my grandfather lived there. After he after he um, after my family came from Belize, you know, everybody spread out. New York and Philadelphia was one spot. And I used to always be in Philly hanging out. And uh, I I look at your career, dog, and I think you dealt with some some serious fans the first two or three stops in your in your career you had you got a chance to smooth it out with portland and atlanta at the end but you know talk about philly talking about boston uh i I saw where andre iguodala your guy on the point forward podcast mentioned that it it was tough for you from the start just because of the circumstances and the environment uh that that you were drafted into what was going on and what were you thinking when you touched down in the NBA and you look around and it's, you know, there's grown men and there's different agendas and it's the business of basketball and you're slapped with it immediately being the second pick in the NBA draft. Yeah, I think there's a lot of intangibles that occur, but like you said, there's different agendas. And um, I'll use the example. You, you come in and I think when I got drafted, the person that drafted me got demoted. You know what I mean? And a new guy came in with a different agenda. He's like, I don't trade good players. You look at John Wall, who went right ahead of me. Gilbert Arenas is still 26 or 27, starting his prime. They trade him out for him to develop. Andre Iguodala is going to be a Hall of Famer, four-time All-NBA, yada, do, da, day. That's my man. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying mm-hmm. trade out to get developed. But I don't think I ever had a position to develop. Like If you look at some of the stats, the most – I didn't shoot 20 shots in my third year. And it was mm-hmm. damn near, you know what I mean? And it was damn right. over by me. Right. And I don't, I think development and getting your feet wet is everything. And, um, you know, I think, you know, too much is given, much is expected. Like I was, people were saying I was supposed to be like Brandon Roy or I had Brian in my game and I was supposed to be mm-hmm. a savior. And I think when you think about uh, the Philadelphia fan base, it's a brotherly love situation, but they are diehard fans. And, um, I just think it's just slotted. Like, there's nothing too crazy. Like, when I was there, I was a cute little kid, and people hated Dre with a passion. You know what I mean? <laughs> when, when Dre left and turned on it. You were the next target. Yeah, Michael Carter Williams was a cute little kid, and he hated me with a passion. And then when right. I left, I'm hearing they hate Michael Carter Williams with a passion. And it's just like a, Jaleel. <laughs> it's a little bit of brotherly love, and it's, it, it really tests your uh, strength. But I know when I left there, like, everything is funny to me. Like, don't shit bother me. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. It, it also made me kind of, you know, speak up for myself and tell my own story. Like, when you look prior to Philly, I wasn't so talkative in the media. I didn't, like, really trip. Like, I kind of let things handle how they were going to be handled. You know what I'm saying? But eventually when I start realizing 
there's good media and then there's just bad, terrible media with people like what Bob Knight said, RP Bob Knight, where he's like, it's one step above prostitution, where you write whatever you want to write. So at one point, there was stuff that was just coming. I didn't care about like playing, but it's like, well, now you're attacking my character. Now it's getting to the point where people are meeting me. They're going off like whatever's being read. So when I left Philly, I was like, you know what, bro? You can never underestimate how stupid people are. I'm going to tell them what they're looking at because they don't know what they're looking at. So if people are going to say like, the good things I do, I'll just start talking about the good things I do. And that'll be my interview. Mm. I, I can't rely on somebody who never hoop, never play a sport to point at me, nitpick at me. And it's getting to the point where now it's feeding into my character and people are attacking my morals or like mm. attacking like my back, right. who you are, who right. I am, my foundation, the individual I grew up as and the person my mom raised me at. So I think the one thing that occurred is moving forward. I was like, Hey, bro, these people, unless you put up and perform, bro, they don't give a damn about the truth. Call it that. Nah. And I literally, after that, I was just always numb. And if you ever look at my like, interviews and stuff, you might think I'm getting a massage or something. Like, I just don't take it serious. But I also, I, I won't hesitate to tell people who they're looking at or what they're talking to, who they're talking about. How did that sour or change your experience? Because even listening to it, um, you know, 10 years in the NBA is something to be, you know, proud of. And yeah. now that you moved on to this step in your career, you know, I love the fact that that, that guys like yourself and former players are jumping in and converse, conversing with us about the things that we don't get, the departure from the fan yeah. to what's actually happening to the game. How did how did your interaction with media and media types change who you were as a professional, if at all. Cause I remember when the first time I started stepping in the locker rooms in like 2000, 2001, yeah. and I would just see and hear people who, I mean, let's keep it funky, who were there not to relate to, or kind of tap in with the, the subject or the interviewee. It was just stick a microphone in somebody's face, somebody asks a question, then you move on and then you shit on them on the other side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I saw that going on. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'll be able to talk about other things with these dudes and, you know, similar backgrounds and things of that nature. So how did that, how did those interactions, I've always wondered how those interactions kind of shape and mold the tenor with which you are ready to speak to people post game and, you know, the, the confidence that you have and people understanding the game that you play. Yeah, I just think I had to be more intentional and comprehend who I was speaking to, you know what I mean? And just comprehend like, Hey bro, you're not in Kansas anymore. Like in college, <laughs> you they weren't allowed to say anything bad about you. You know what I'm saying? Now you're getting, cause your kids, right? Like, <laughs> not, One year later you were grown up and now we can, yeah, we can get it in. <laughs> now like you're in media and it's like, it's not, there's no real rules to it, but like I comprehend somebody trying to make their, their nut on, on trying to come at somebody and ask the tough questions or nonsense they see on TV or whatever the trending media was. I just try to move on, be more intentional and speak up when I need to speak up. I had a conversation one time in Boston when they were asking about me being booed back in Philly. I tell the story all the time and I had to really be positive and just be like, Hey man, it is what it is. Like I get to live a dream. I'm doing my thing. It can't be that worse. Like Jesus was hated too. So I spoke on that humbly. But how I got taken was like Jesus was hated too in some egotistical situation. Evan out here comparing himself to Jesus. Right. That's what, <laughs> I already know the vibes. But, so I had to, I had to do little stuff like follow up and like, hey, you wrote this article, and it's mm. Jesus was hated too. 
and was taken as though I think I'm Jesus. And I don't know what got mixed up in this, but it's a character thing that I won't put up with. But I'm saying Jesus was hated too because Jesus was the most noble man on earth. He never sinned. And he threw sticks, stones, and all this nonsense at him and, and nailed him to a cross. I sin. I get to live my dream. Sometimes I'm mean. Sometimes I'm nice. I have my, my ill ways. And I walk into one city in the world and they boo me for 48 minutes. And I get to leave. How, Fuck it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it meant of like just being like, yo, I'm not above this or above whatever's going on. If, if I'm supposed to be negative, then it's negative. I'm, if I'm supposed to be a bust, I'm a bust. If I, if I underperform, that's the life I have. And when I go to Philly, mm. it's a bet. You know what I mean? It just was what it was. So, how did see and 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 those are the things that I try to tap into on on this pod because we talk about the numbers and the stats and all that other stuff all the time, but like the the interpersonal relationships and also like the introspection that a lot of young guys I, I try to relate to my my boys all the time. Like, dude, we when we talking about these games and looking at these things, these guys got a finite amount of time that they can make the most amount of money that they can, and you get dropped a ton of dough at twenty twenty one years old and a ton of responsibility and. And if you're lucky by 32, 33, you're done. And now you have to live the rest of your life. But along the way, the the, the experience changes you. Um, wh- what do you think you were asked to be that you weren't comfortable with, but you had to morph into, right? Like in terms of um, understanding understanding the goal and understanding the results that certain people were trying to get, but also knowing that this is part of the profession, like what did you have to switch on or off or was it already in you that, okay, this is the, this is the, the arms distance that I have to keep certain things and certain people in this profession. Yeah, I think one thing was just, um, you know, switch on, on the court was just getting used to playing without the ball in my hands. You know what I mean? That's mm. What I grew up doing. I was a six, seven point guard and, you know, adapting that sense. Uh, so just imagine showing, killing and doing all this stuff. And now you're standing in the corner. And when he scouts you, it's like he never shot threes or four, and this is what he's basing off of. So I had to really adapt and do that and kind of overcome of, uh, you know, just being good at all the other 10 things that basketball, you know, is about. Um, when it came down to just, you know, on the court, just uh, off the court, just adapting. And um, it was, you know, it's trial and error. You know what I mean? A lot of stuff is trial and error. But I, I think one thing that the sport is supposed to teach you is uh, allow you to become a man. It's all your own journey and what you have to repeat to. And um, my mom and I always say, like, hard work and perseverance brings great reward. So in my head, I think everything's just a battle just to see how, like, true I am to whatever journey or project I'm going on. And, um, you know, I think that was just the one thing to suggest to my perseverance. and you had to do it under a huge spotlight with something you really cared about. So when you break that down, imagine, you know, failing or struggling at the thing you care the most about. Publicly. <laughs> publicly, in front of everybody. Right. And like, right. I think sometimes where it comes down to, and I used to always joke around sometimes of, even when I switched to Boston or I switched to this team or switched <laughs> that team, it's like, yo, I may not play the most or shoot the most, but I would have to adjust to understanding what my name or like understand that I had a name and like my name will always get brought up into some shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I'm the first player in history to ever have back to back triple doubles off the bench. You didn't hear about that till Russell Westbrook did it last year. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm only playing Boston right. Celtics history to have three triple doubles in a month and do all this stuff in a legendary franchise that'll never get brought up because it's just not sexy. I think one thing that just learned, and I think it's just a message from God is just like, no, this is to teach you like to take great pride in your work and understand that like, you know, nobody's going to be happy about what you do unless you're truly happy. So I think I learned from like worried about like, group packs on the back and you always want respect from the work you've done, but it's just like, no, it's just what you do, man. And at the end of the day, like you, you recognize that sometimes, man, like all that stuff you're reaching for, is just false idols and it's here, there, you going them all. And they really teach you how to be a pro, a man. And it just talks about like, it sets a tone for your life. I'm going to show up rain, sleet or snow and do this shit, whether you're cheering or not, because this is what I do to start take care of my family. And this is, you know, the, the great man I am, like to make it to the NBA, you're, you're obsessed, you're committed and you're going to, you know, take some nicks and bruises. Derek came up a couple of times early on in this conversation. Um, you got a chance to play against him in high school, got a chance to play against him as a professional. And, and we know what happened, uh, 2012, um, Competing against Derek, now, I'm not even going front. There was a there was a time where motherfuckers was choosing up because <laughs> Evan, like you mentioned, you represented the West Side, and of course Derek from over there around Eight Third Street, and yeah, man, yeah, that, it was it, like, hey, you want to know it's so crazy, man? Yeah, please break it down for me because I wasn't I wasn't going I wasn't going to skip over it uh, and I wasn't going to mess around with you. Yeah, and I don't even like discussing it because like, um, no, I do like I I like going into this because you know, bro, like we from Chicago, so at home. Bump is better than any type of bump. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, not saying I went to the all-star game and stuff, but like I'll hear conversations on like, yo, the best to come out of Chicago, the best high school players playing in Chicago. This I'm like, bro, I don't know. I'm right behind dude. So 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 say what you want, but like I'm right, like if like he could be number one, Isaiah, Jabbar, whoever else, but like I'm right behind dude. So like no, you got you come from this meeting or whatever else, like whatever happened, like go check that. Go check what me and Michi did. Go check how we ran through 95% of the Chicago teams. Go check how our work was done at halftime. Go check how I didn't break a sweat. Go like you understand what I'm saying? Like now, now when we come to this conversation, bro, and D Rose is the nicest. Don't ever get it. Of course, of course. Don't get it twisted. But like, let's stop. Right. Because we be having certain convos. I'm like, yo, the superhero of the city is D Rose. Don't ever get that twisted. Like I, I was hurt when he got hurt. Like the city yeah. died a bit. Like it's still one of the saddest stories. But it's beautiful how he bounced back from it. But Nah, man, that D Rose shit, man. That um, I remember me and D Rose, right? I was an eighth grader, so um, we we're playing in this state all star game at St. Joe's, ironically. So it's like West Suburbs versus West Side, South Suburbs versus South Side, and then it's like Downstate versus some other dudes. So I remember being in the back, and I'm just like sitting on the stage, but I'm seeing like a trophy, and it's just one special trophy, and I'm like, ooh trophy is this for? And it's like Derrick Rose player of the year. I'm like, who the hell is Derrick Rose player of the year? Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, who the, why would they give this man a trophy of all people? Who knows? Like, I can go off today. I should be player of the year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so you hear nothing of that. And this is in eighth grade. This is in eighth grade. So this is like, I feel like this is like the spring of eighth grade. It's a real deal. It's a real deal eighth grade all-star game. 
Okay. I remember I leave. I hear like that Monday, they talking about, yo, it was some shorty from out south went up, put his, dumped it, put his feet on the rim. He going to Simeon. Like his game's so cold, it's like he going to college. I'm like, who the hell is this dude? But, you know, coach, uh, you know, coach at Simeon never allowed freshmen to play. So right. he knew D Rose is going to play sophomore. So I didn't know much. I, I, I had seen him, but you know, you didn't really see D Rose. So shout out to uh, the Horton family, uh, Mike Horton, everybody, uh, hoop till it hurts, Chicago demons. They throw this, um, sophomore all-star game. I walked into the building. My AAU coach at the time, uh, Jeff Rubin, he begged the guy to get me. He's like, yo, this dude is one of the top players. I'm telling you, he's had a bad freshman year, but he's one of the top dudes. I'm telling you. So he begs to get me in. I think it's top 32, but they got like four teams of like 40. Mm-hmm. So when I come up in the gym, I see a couple people, and I just see like this big, like light-skinned dude, super shy, and we like saying our names, and he's like – I'm Derek. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm Derek. Oh, this is Derek Rose. Like, type shit. <laughs> right. So, mind you, that whole day, I already knew I was good. But, like, I came back that week ranked top five just because of D. Rose. So, you know what I mean? Like, he made it mm. so easy. Like, he was just so wise beyond his years. So, you know, to really get on that level was crazy until we fast forward and we're having this conversation. Like you said, by the time I hit my senior year, everybody's screaming from out west. <laughs> Yo, is he really is he really on that level with D Rose? And we had, you know, we had the two games that was crazy. We had the You had your battles. We had yeah. the Evanston game where we went head to head and what was lit was the game at USC. That's when I tell people obviously D Rose is a man and we're there for him, but we sold out right. UIC and that was a big ass thing. And D Rose went on to do everything he's supposed to do. I just say, like, when we have this conversation. Go back and talk about the 23 straight. I'm not going to say I gave it to him, but I gave it to Simeon. All right? <laughs> like, we all, like, I take all the negativity. Like, I got booed in Chicago. And somebody came out with a yeah, article discussing me and D-Rose beefing when D-Rose was talking. You know, you know what I mean? So, like, I take all the flock. I never said one thing. I, like, I made it to the league. I got booed. At home, but you say it covered it totality though. <laughs> and we went and beat like nobody ever talked about none of that. But like one thing I will say when we come back to the crib and like the shit I had to do and like come up, come up on say with the lead. But like that Chicago shit that I battled through. Go ask anybody when you make lists. I know. And add my man Michi in there because I kid you not, nah, was, Dimitri and, was cold. And it wasn't a a struggle. We walked through easy to everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I got you. And you were there. I, I, D Rose was the eldest. I don't ever want to put yeah, no, in situation. You. I just know back then you held, you held you. if I brought my right, it was gonna stagger you. That's all. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Evan Turner from the Point Forward Podcast, 10 year NBA veteran joining us here on the full goal. Only a couple more minutes, man. I appreciate yeah, your time. Man. Uh present day. You know, we could talk about Draymond and 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 him putting Rudy Gobert in headlocks and all the other shit that's going on. Uh, but with the Bulls, let's zoom in with the Bulls right here. Zach Levine uh, being bandied about with trade talks for the last year and a half, pretty much. Um, and now this is the first time that Zach is speaking to it with a, an openness and an acceptance of if he gets moved and all these other things. You see Rich Paul and him front row at the uh, the tip-off classic <laughs> at the United Center last night. The the uh, You can read between the lines and see what's getting ready to happen yeah. here. 
What's your thoughts on what this Bulls team and situation has been over the last few years? Lonzo Ball goes down and it feels like that is the the small sample size and the real data that you have been able to amass as Bulls fans over the last year and a half, two years. This shit just doesn't work right now. Yeah. And it doesn't work for various reasons. I never thought this team would not be able to score. I thought defensively there'd be, there'd be issues, but the 22nd in the offensive efficiency, 21st, I believe, in defense. Um when you take a look at those three players, this Bulls franchise, what what's the what's the talk nationwide about this squad? I'm mean, gonna talk nationwide about them. Um, and I don't think it was ever going to work. I think they try to put together the best possible teams they could put together in transition. And one one thing that occurs when you view it from that real situation, it makes you appreciate this team more because even before Lonzo went down, they're rocking and trying to give the, the, like the city some type of joy. But like, no, you're moving tight. with like basically four dudes, six, four and under, like our main go-to guys in a European big, which is tough. And um, I just think they try to figure out what would work, you know, from year to year. And if we had like a good two weeks, we try to stick with it. Like a Zach Levine and uh, DeMar DeRozan, as much as I love him, without Alonzo Ball, it's not going to work. You understand what I'm saying? Or like, yeah, uh, need an orchestrator. Yeah, orchestrator. And and when that doesn't work after, you know, in a freak situation like this, now you're starting to get, you know, two guys that they're, they're getting upset talking about they don't pass the ball. No, they're scorers. They go, get to their spot, they kill it, shoot the mid range and do what they're supposed to do and be set up. But I just, I just don't ever think we had depth or anything, but I think we outplayed our talent a lot of times, to be honest with you. Hmm. You know, we had Javante yeah. Green starting for a little bit, and, like, those two... Thaddeus Young before that. Yeah, those dudes yeah. playing yeah. their hearts out, but we had nothing, no, st- you know, staple or nothing stable in that sense. And I think, uh... You br- I love Nick Vucevic to death, but you bring an all-star over, that's a different type of all-star. Like, you understand what I'm saying? That's not... That's like below Sabonis type all-star. We like to throw asterisk on how good he is. So, you know what I'm saying? We brought that on. Mm-hmm. We brought DeMar, who, you know, had some success and still learning how to, you know, gear things up towards like a championship level. It, it was just, it's a tough transitional moment that I think if everybody stuck together in these two years, we could see what would occur. But there's a lot of intangibles have occurred and it was already, all the odds were stacked against us regardless. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I want y'all to note that he said we and us. So the man is still a Bulls fan through and through. For life, bro. And every year on contract, every contract that came up, man, I would I would call He's taking a peek. I'll call the Bulls and be like, hey, bro, I've been trying to live in the Gold Coast for ages. Like I'm trying to drive downtown. Like I'm trying to buy a suite for the year. Like y'all gonna get y'all money back. If you you know what I mean? But like Come rock with me. When I say we, bro. Like I got like even when I played, I go ask a player from the Bulls that I knew. Let me get them shorts. Mm. These shorts. I need to teach. Like this is it's, the kid in you. Bro, the kid in you still but, there. Like, bro, I say like literally. I didn't realize I said we. I was like like literally like we like. I really, I really be rooting for him. Like I hit Javante Green up a couple last year and say, like, "Yo, you got my city rocking. I appreciate you." Like mm-hmm. I'm rooting for the Bulls, bro. Word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing the uh, pre and post game show every day. It puts me in a position where it's like I gotta 
set the table for, for fans who are getting ready to consume the product, but I, I'd be going crazy inside because, like you mentioned, this, there's, there's a lot of umbrellas that this city falls under. There's some Hawks fans, there's some Sox yeah. fans, some Cubs fans, but for the most part, I feel like everybody's a Bears fan and then the next level below that because of Jordan and the success and, you know, what the 90s were, Bulls fans have a wide umbrella, wide umbrella. People, so Yeah, people might hate me because I used to always say this too, like, the time they were supposed to win, like, don't get mad now. Like, this ain't y'all era to win. It was 10 years ago after y'all went through the stinking part. You understand what I'm saying? Like, when you had D-Rose, that was y'all time to win. Like, be realistic. Unless it's L.A. or, like, you have a Brian coming every year, like, to be the hard. game is legit. But, it, but we've had a couple of runs of dominance where it's like, no, this was your window to win. Like, there's there's some eight year old that didn't turn eighteen now. Like he's right. Yeah. I, was, I was talking about it. I was talking about it. I was talking about it last pod. Yeah. Like the eighty five Bears. That's our generation's ninety eight Bulls. Yeah. Right. Like it's been so long. Yeah, bro, it's that, been forty years. Yeah, I had to stop talking <laughs> about this shit. I'm like, bro, we got no football. <laughs> I keep, every time I watch, I'm like, bro, we got no goddamn football sitting there. We won one time. <laughs> That's like Toronto Raptors being mad every year. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just saying, don't do that, like, Evan. Don't do that. I love the Raptors. That's not, that's not cool. I'm, so, saying, did, did you, did, I'm not going to let you compare the Bears to the Raptors on these days. Anyway. Not going to happen. But in 2019, all right, so now we're in 2059. They're going to be like, bro, how the hell we keep losing? It's like, bro, your country is hockey. You know, what I mean? well, if, if you're if you're in Ohio State, compadre, you know these last seven games, Justin Fields, you know, he get his get his situation together, and they start calling plays towards his liking. Maybe things will be a little bit different. Who are you telling? G? I, sometimes I say the only coach is a good one. A good coach is a is a, a dead one or a retired one. You know what I mean? They came away. You don't even be out there. Telling me what to do, like you. And this is, and ladies and gentlemen, this is why Evan Turner gained the reputation that he did uh, as the bad guy (laughs) in multiple NBA cities because he's saying shit like the only good coach is a dead one or a retired one. This is the reason why, y'all. I'm just letting y'all know it's not by chance. Don't let the smile. Don't let. Don't let all this fool you. Man, it's true. When when you have a bad coach, you damn near send you to rehab. You seen? I was about to cry when I was talking about Philly, man. I'm not, I'm not so nobody talking about my torment or pain. I just came back from Sedona from a retreat. I'm, I'm trying to share this a little, a little ayahuasca, yeah, a little, bro, a little so conversation. I'm just telling you, you, you laughing and shit. Like I don't want Justin Fields to be 35 and like me. I'm supposed to be. <laughs> no, don't worry, don't worry. He's gonna be out. You, you wild. <laughs> don't worry. He gonna, I think. I think they're gonna move on this year anyway. So, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So, Tell man, me about. It'll be smooth. Looking forward to you know Chicago and you know just the victory, the celebration in Grant Park once again. It's nothing like it. You know, anytime the city wins, you know, we're big. Uh, we're big enough city where it's enough youth around to incite the next great one. You know, and um, yeah. Yeah. Growing up during that Jordan era, I'm not saying I came from there, but Jabari Parker, Derrick Rose, there was a dude sitting yeah. there, and, and 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 you know when when Chicago hits, it hit different, and, we, and that's an understatement. You know what I'm saying? 
There it is. That, no better way to wrap it up than that. Evan, thank you so much, man. Right. I truly appreciate you. Point Forward Podcast. Him, Andre Godala. They out here moving the Grizzlies from Memphis. They out here talking about white NBA players. Yeah. They out here cutting up and, and, and chopping it up the way it's supposed to be. I love the interview with JJ Reddick, man. They Y'all out here doing your thing, and I appreciate the fact that you guys are lending your voices to this ecosphere that we're in because it's it's um it's insight that is needed by the fans. It humanizes guys. Maybe it's past for you guys because y'all playing careers are over, but it humanizes guys who are playing now so people better understand some of the rigors of the NBA life. So I appreciate you, bro. Well, no, I appreciate y'all, man. Thanks for uh, you know, being being a guy you are, because we talk to uh Media people, they might show up. You might, man, this is a op, bro. Like, who told you to sit down with me for 30 minutes, bro? You don't like me at all. Like, it's you, know, op. you know what I mean? Like, I already know you got a whole. Yeah, like, you know the vibes. Shit. Yeah. They be like, man, this motherfucker's gonna eat me up for 30 minutes, bro. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. I, I saved it. I, I saved that. I saved that for the for the in-person interviews. Don't worry, no, man. No, I, sure, next, man. Next time we're gonna have to get you out. Well, I'll be at a game soon, man. Hopefully, you don't yeah, let size, me know. Course size, they shouldn't be that expensive now. Don't start. Don't saying, start, man. Brother. It's still United like Cities. Hey, my shit's supposed to come with a hot dog or something. So I know, I know they're giving out deals now. See, you bullshit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's Evan Turner. Make sure you check out the Point Forward podcast. Thank you so All much, brother. I truly appreciate it. Appreciate you. y'all. Love. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. The Full Goal with Jason Goff. Coming up next on the Full Go Podcast, we talk to Eric Woodyard from ESPN. He covers the Lions, and uh, he's, he's, one of the, he's one of the good guys. Used to cover the Bulls here for a little bit before he had to go back to the crib. So it's always good to check in with our guy E. We'll do that next. Get the lowdown on the Lions right here on the Full Go Podcast. You know, we've been running around these last couple of years trying to figure out how to make the Bears more like the Chiefs. Yeah, fuck around and figure out how to make the Bears more <laughs> like the Lions out here, man. What's, 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 what's really going on? You know, Brad, Brad Holmes and the boys got it, got it, got it humming like that. You know, I got a saying around the crib uh, with my son. You know, try to reinstill some some confidence and some you know some swagger to him. Like I tell him all the time, like it's good to be a golf. And for the first time, maybe in his pro career, Jared can walk around saying that in his career. Uh, <laughs> what's going on with the Lions right, right. now, man? Man. I think uh I think uh, I think it's really the confidence aspect, man. I mean, you know, they come out, they win a couple games, they get rolling. I mean, it was so much hype entering the season, but I think to actually get that first win at Kansas City, no matter who was playing, that just put another level of fire inside of them, and they kind of just been building off that after setting us off. Yeah, yeah, and and looking at the team's construction, I mean, we we talked about it early in the year. You know, the Jameer Gibbs draft pick was questioned. You know, how much does David Montgomery have in the tank? 
You know, you send TJ Hawkinson about his way, and then you draft a guy like Sam Laporta. So essentially getting a, a level player, but the contract clock starts over, and he might be better in the long run. Um, what is it about the way that Brad Holmes put together this squad in terms of in his vision and his ideals and, and Dan Campbell's character? Like, what, what identity is this team trying to assume uh, as they learn how to win, frankly? I mean, you always hear the cliche terms of a team saying a, a saying or creating a nice little catchphrase or something, but grit, man. That's what Dan Campbell said right away, grit. I'm trying to build this off grit. He put it on T-shirts. He put it on hats. And I really feel like this group really embodied everything that he said as far as being gritty. So you got to understand the background that Brad Holmes had. He was the guy that drafted Aaron Donald. You know, he was one of the top scouts who drafted golf coming out, he put together a lot of those L.A. Rams teams. He was there almost 20 years. So I think he did kind of the same thing here, man, constructing the squad, getting them. He has that eye for talent that people don't see, you know, and not doing things that the Lions have done in the past. You can look at some of the uh, previous regimes, and they kept getting wide receiver after wide receiver. He started – his first pick was Panay Sewell. You know, I'm building up front. I'm, I'm going to the trenches. Then I'm going to go get Aiden Hudson. You know, then I'm going to get Amara St. Brown in the fourth round. You know, so I think getting those type of character foundational pieces who actually pan out – and doing competent things. That's something we haven't heard here in Detroit, competent. You know what I mean? So I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's just built in his identity. And on top of that, having Dan Campbell, a guy who's a player's coach, you know, he, he has that dog in him. He understands when to push, when to pull back. You know, they got a coaching staff full of a lot of former, you know, NFL players. So I think they just understand, you know, when to push and when to pull. And then Brad Holmes is just like a, uh, you know, he's like, he's a nerd. You know, he's a draft nerd. That's what he is. You know, and I think he's just got kind of got the same kind of guys. Same kind of personality, a lot of leaders in the locker room. Last couple of games, and a dude who's been jumping off the the, the TV screen for me watching this Lions team, that defensive tackle, I, I forget, is that Lou McNeil? Lou McNeil, or, yeah. Lou McNeil, yeah. The dude has been making some headway. And, you know, we, we talk about Sewell, we talk about Hutchinson, we talk about golf and the names on this team because there's a lot of names on this team. But there's some there's some diamonds in the rough and on this squad, too, that, that, that kind of embody that identity that you talked about just now. Yeah, he was another one of those picks that, you know, Brad has made since he's been here. And he, he's light on his feet. You know, I think he played baseball growing up, played other sports, athletic. You know, he, he just has that, that that niche for guys. As I said again, picking up some of those names, some of those talents that guys might not see and know about, you know, and, and that's another one of those names, Lee McNeil. So the Jared Goff journey, you know, it's, it's been it's been interesting to watch because you know I was listening to uh, Hogan Johns and their podcast and, and and Adam posed a question if you would trade you know or, or was guaranteed uh, a Jared Goff type of rebound or future for Justin Fields would you move on with it and my answer would be yes because he's shown you that you know he can win uh, he's shown you that he can be on it and and if he isn't the determining factor then. You know, you, you're probably cooking with gas. Now, is Jared Goff, has he gotten to that confidence level? Has he gotten to the point where um, you can put everything on his plate? Or is this still a play-action base, you know, paint by the numbers, take a shot when you can, Jared Goff? Like, what, what, what should Bears fans be expecting to see this Sunday? I, I think you're going to see a little bit of both. He's been mixing it up. You know, he's been showing us the deep ball a little bit this year. I mean, he's been obviously play-action. That's his bread and butter, but... He's been showing us a little bit of everything. And I think it's number one. I talked to him before the season. 
And I asked him what was different, man. I think it's a confidence aspect. I think they believe in him here. I don't think he felt like they believed in him in L.A., you know, especially though after that Super Bowl, not winning and coming back and towards the mm-hmm. end. Everything, you know, since he was brought here has been, hey, you're not the bridge quarterback. You know, we really see you as a guy, and they really put the pieces around him to let him feel like he's the guy, you know. They end up getting him to Hooker as a backup quarterback, but that's not really a threat to him right away. So I think that's just more like, you know, assur- you know, kind of like an insurance policy behind him a little bit for the future. But, you know, I, j- I just think uh, – I think that, you know, this team really believes in him, man. They're seeing a whole other level of him, and I think confidence takes you a long way. That's any- anything. We-, we play sports, man. You understand. Once you get rolling and you got the right pieces around you and people who believe in you, you know, you will start seeing a whole other level of confidence, and I think that's what's, what's happening here. He- he's walking around with a different swagger than even his first year being here in Detroit. Dan Campbell is gone now from the dude who got the interim job in Miami that everybody was laughing about with the the crazy sayings to now uh, a widely respected coach. Like this seemed like a thing where it was like, all right, they got a little bit of talent, but once they finally get the coach to cap it off, then this thing will take off. And all that talk is kind of quieted down, especially after the start that they've had to this season. Um, clock management, some of the game recognition type of things and and understanding the atmosphere, like those are all the things that go in the coach's bucket. What do you think Dan Campbell's strengths lie and, and where are some things that he's still being picked apart on as this team's expectations rise? Man, it's 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 uh it's a double edged sword. He he go for everything. You love it, when yeah, it works, I saw it last when week. You, don't. you know what I mean? So I think that's <laughs> he, he gonna go for it, you know what I mean? But to his credit, he feel like he he trusts this squad that they built. You know what I mean? He he trusts that, hey, I, I got the offensive line, I got my quarterback, I trust him, I got the pieces. So they feel like on any fourth down that he can go for it. Now, when that ain't working, you know, if they play some of these better teams and that puts you in a position just like the last game, had that fourth, what, fourth and two or whatever it was on that play. Fourth and two. If that yeah. don't work, you know, that's a, it looked like a whole different game. So I think that's really his strength and his weakness, that he, he he's going to go for it. He's aggressive. And uh, he's gotten a lot better at clock management, you know, especially we, we saw him, like, really learning on the job, you know what I mean? Like, especially those first couple of years. I think he's, he's grown in those aspects. The two-headed monster at the running back position, uh, the touches, because no, no longer do we talk about splitting carries. We talk about how many touches a guy is going to get. David Montgomery busts a 75-yard touchdown after, you know, the couple of big runs that Jameer Gibbs has had so far this season. And, you know, he, he talked about the the friendly competition between he and Jameer Gibbs and that big brother role. The the transition from Jamal Williams I'm sorry, yeah, to, yeah, the transition from Williams to David Montgomery uh, and you know Bears fans knew what they were losing but he didn't seem like he was going to be this dynamic type of back going forward you, you just knew what he was uh, how has he fared in this new line situation and also you know how how's the competition going in that backfield in that running back room uh, I just asked him the other day I was like man you know uh you know, really, how do you how do you feel? It's friendly competition. It's it's, it's very rare that that happen in sports because people got egos. You know what I mean? Guys come in with egos, especially I see this young number 12 pick. You know, I ain't trying to give up my touch, but it's really like a big brother, little brother thing. I think they got the healthy respect. I don't know if you saw that clip that went viral uh, where he was, you know, uh, Jameer Gibbs had scored twice in the first half, and he like, I can't let you get it all. You know what I mean? He came out, get the 75-yard touchdown. That just kind of show how it's been. I think it's whoever got the high hand in that game. They're giving it to him. And I think Ben Johnson, I keep mentioning his name, he's drawing up, offensive coordinators, drawing up the right plays at the right time, utilizing guys, you know, different skill sets. I think Montgomery is more of that traditional back, but 
you got Jameer Gibbs who can do a little bit of everything. The Swiss Army Knife. So I think they they fit well in that regard because they don't necessarily play the same style. And this Lions offense is so versatile with Jared Goff being able to pick and choose his spots. And I think uh, he's, they, they've utilized both of those guys, you know, whoever has the high hand that night. I'm glad you mentioned Ben Johnson because he's the hot coaching candidate that everybody's looking at right now and the offensive style that he's deployed with that Lions squad and Jared Goff and, and the rebirth of Jared Goff. A lot of it has been placed right there at the feet of Ben Johnson. I, I, I'm putting all Bears fans on alert to, hey, if, if things break differently this offseason and you, you're thinking about whoever the quarterbacks are going to be here in Chicago might be time to look right here in the division like I mentioned at the top of the, the interview you know looking towards Kansas City when Matt Nagy jumped down here and how things should be ran as an organization well you can look right into inside your division and try to deplete them and make them weaker if you want to go for a guy like Ben Johnson but also he's probably at the end of the season going to be able to pick wherever it's time for him to chef up at w what makes him whether it's your conversation with the, the the players that you cover or the coaching staff what what makes him special or what what is this year amounted to and why has it manifested itself the way it has for ben johnson in the lions offense definitely i asked i'm st brown i was like man that same question like what make him so special and he said as a rookie you know when they would you know coaches have every day where they, you know it's first down second down plays it's third down plays it's red zone plays and Amara would say every time it was a time to do red zone plays his rookie year the way that he was just concise, his way ability to communicate, how smart he was and still be approachable, all of that really stood out and made guys want to listen and buy in. Plus, he's coming up with a lot of different plays that they're seeing working right away. So I think, you know, guys bought into that right away. He was the tight ends coach originally that first year. And mm. then Dan Campbell ended up letting go of Anthony Lynn as well, who was the offensive coordinator, and bringing in Ben Johnson to help with the play calling. Then obviously last year he was named offensive coordinator full-time. And uh, I think, you know, from there, it's just he, he knows his stuff, man. I went back to all, even – I wrote a story a couple weeks ago. I went back to talking to even some of his college teammates and, you know, a lot of the different people in his, in his path to getting where he's at. And all of them say the same thing. He just knows it, man. He knows his stuff. You know when the guy – when I'm talking to him and you know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And that, that establishes trust mm -hmm. on every level mm -hmm. he's been at because even people before on his path to getting here, like college teammates and stuff, they would say, I always envision him being a successful coach even when he was a – you know, walk on players and stuff. So, you know, I think I think it's just him establishing that trust, knowing what he's doing, knowing taking his job seriously. He's always one of the last guys to leave here. And just that attention to detail and I think that resonates with guys. What do the Lions still have to clean up? What might there be opportunities to exploit for this Bears offense and defense on Sunday? I think still the defense, that secondary, man. You look at, you know, they just got 38 points put on them the last week. You know, they, they're still trying to close out. You know, they haven't been the best at racking up sacks. You know what I mean? They, they, they're doing a lot of good things on that on a defensive line, but they can still get better at actually finishing plays, getting sacks. And they struggle with rushing quarterbacks, man. Look at Lamar Jackson did to them, man. You see what the Seahawks were able to do to them, man. You know, those those running quarterbacks usually have success against them, so that's some areas they can clean up. The offense, it's, it's not much, man. I mean, this team is is a well-oiled machine on mm -hmm. offense. Uh, I think it's more so the defense. How's everything with you, man? How, how you been? I, I, mean, I, I been only busy. get a chance to see every once in a while now on these Zooms, man. How you feeling? I've been busy, man, working hard. I, I got my little son, man. You remember I had him nine years old yeah. playing sports. Yeah. And, you know, he got his own little path he building, so I'm, I'm, I'm keeping him locked in and focused and busy, but Man, I'm, I'm a busy man these nice, days, nice. man. So it's, was, been, it's been good times, though. I could do. 
I could dig it. I could dig it, man. I saw you. I saw your squad here the other night. Uh, State, man, they got that, that Cohen Carr yeah, dude. That, uh, that's, that's a yeah. That's that's that's, that's an athlete though. Yeah, that's that's a bad yeah, boy. Is. I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing what what becomes of him, because Lord knows uh, basketball ain't being too friendly to us here in the city of Chicago. So I gotta find I gotta <laughs> find other things I can get myself into, bro. Gotta find myself in other basketball situations these days. Thank you so much, E. I appreciate you, man. Um, man, anytime, blessings. Man. You you one of the best in yeah. the business. I appreciate your time, bro. Thank you, man. You know we locked in anytime, man. You got me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Eric Widget right here on the Full Go Podcast. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So last time we saw Justin Fields healthy, he was stinking it up against the Minnesota Vikings and, and then he got hurt. But the two weeks previous, it was the Washington game and the Denver game. So it seems like it's been so long since we've seen Justin healthy or even at the quarterback spot that we, we haven't really talked about or maybe have forgotten about the two weeks that he had where it was eight touchdowns, one interception. It's going crazy. Um, shout out to the commanders of the Broncos, especially that Broncos game. Like We will go back and look at that Broncos game and think to ourselves, that was anybody else besides Sean Payton. That might have been walking papers day for any other coach. Like, and then they came back and won. You know what I mean? But that that first three quarters was atrocious. It seemed like a team that that really just wasn't coached up at all. But like I, I'm not giving, I'm not you know discrediting or or hating on the numbers that Justin put up over those last couple of weeks. I just wanted to highlight the fact that we're going to see Justin Fields back as quarterback for the Chicago Bears against the Detroit Lions and. I think this game's going to be uh, a laugher. I'm hoping it's not, but I think, you know, the Detroit Lions, if you look at record-wise, I, I, I saw the Chiefs, the Eagles, the 49ers, and one other team uh, over the last 17 games are the only teams that have better records than the Lions. Lions are 13-4 and four in their last 17 games. Bears are 3-14. and 14. Okay, and you can look at whatever injuries and all these other things you want to look at. You can look at the comebacks that, that Denver had and, you know, the games that they should have won. Your record is your record. And the Lions have been damn good for uh, uh, quite some time now. Like, this ain't some, you know, upstart friend. No, they, they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent, and they got a coach that their players believe in. And I, I'll be interested to see um, not only – 
how they play this thing on Sunday, I'm talking about the Bears, because this is a battle of the run games, right? Like, all for everything that we've talked about with Luke Getze, the credit that I can and will give him is that he's been able to call a sufficient enough run game to where the Bears are one of the best running teams in the league. And they were last year, but obviously Justin Fields ran for 1,100 yards. Like, whenever I saw, like, the Mike Vick days or, you know, current in current form, you know, Lamar Jackson, uh, with the Ravens, and you see, oh, the Ravens lead the league in rushing. Every single well, you're, you're damn right. They got a they got a dude running for a thousand yards, and goddamn, that's a quarterback position. Same thing with Vic. But when you can do it the way that the Bears have done it this year, especially now, don't get me wrong, I do want Justin Fields to to have more designed quarterback runs. Uh, you don't want to run him to the ground like you did in Atlanta last year, but you know, it seemed like they tried to take all that off this plate, and I think that stifled uh, some of his development, some of his growth. But you look at the other side of the field, the Lions are one of the best rushing teams in the game with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. This is going to be, uh, can you run the football? Can you stop the run game? You know, the, the, the Lions have shown that they can play a shootout. You know, they won 41 and 38 last week. They've shown that they can play a tough physical game, which, you know, Dan Campbell, they, they kind of take the identity of that, you know, big Neanderthal, big lovable caveman that dude is, right? But Jared Goff, has has played as well as any quarterback in the NFC. Uh, you you look at the fact that Sam Laporta has now, you know, not only replaced T.J. Hawkinson, but he's looking better than T.J. Hawkinson looked as a Detroit Lion, and this is his first year out of Iowa. So they've drafted well. Brad Holmes, you talk about executives, and we we talk a lot about where the Bears should mimic and who they should. Uh, try to pattern themselves after. I remember when Matt Nagy came here, you know, it was the whole Kansas City thing. And it continued with Ryan Poles, obviously, from the Kansas City uh, tree. It's right there in your division. Brad Holmes and what he's done with the Lions has been absolutely phenomenal. Like, he's upgraded the roster in two years' time. You know, he, he, a reclamation project in, in, in the first pick overall in Jared Goff has now, you know, fulfilling all those thoughts and, and hopes and, and prospects that, 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 uh, what's my man, uh, Sean McVay had out there in, uh, in, in, in LA form. And if you look at it for real, for real, like I, we've always thought of Jared Goff is like this check down Charlie and this guy who doesn't really go for a whole bunch of big plays. Just looking at some of the numbers, uh, coming into this game, you know, and over the last two years, you know, who's got the most 20 plus yard completions. Jared Goff. It's not Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's not, it's not uh, Justin Herbert. You know, it's not Tua Tungabailo with Tyree killing them and Jalen Waddle. It's, it's this dude. And the reason is because of Amon Ross St. Brown and, and, and some of the things that they do in the short passing game. I'm not saying that Jared Goff is out here airing it out, but they've got the right amount of run game. And of course, they're going to win in the trenches. What they've done on their offensive line has been phenomenal. Panay Suel is one of the best players in the NFL. Not just offensive line. He's one of the best players in the NFL. And then they got the McNeil kid on the on the defensive side and the tackle spot that I think Bears fans are going to get a chance to see. Like Brad Holmes has done it the right way and, and, and done it to a T. Now, for all the Bears fans out there, I don't think this game is going to be especially close. Uh, what you need to be watching is the, the play concept put on by Ben Johnson because I think this is an audition right there for Bears fans to see who their next head coach should be. Uh, I think Ben Johnson is going to be one of those names, uh, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator that a lot of people are going to be after in the NFL. 
come this offseason. Yeah, I think he's going to have his pick of the litter in terms of quarterbacks, of, co- of course. Yeah, that's, going, that's going to be the first thing you ask about in any interview, who the quarterback is, and also franchise, the stability of a franchise, the structure of a franchise, and probably most importantly, the money aspect. Now, will, will the Bears get rid of Matt Eberflus after this year? Will, how much will they put on you know the fact that the defense has gotten better over the last few weeks, the run defense especially, like you know all the all the shots that I was taking to Matt Eberflus for the defensive side not being what it's supposed to be, and how many twenty four plus point games they had given up over his tenure, and how many games he has lost. Period. I don't, I don't care what side of the ball he was an expert at, or what side of the ball was his specialty. They just lost too many games. I think for anybody to look at him as a head coach and say, you know, we can go we can go through the fires with you because they hadn't seen the results. They hadn't seen the work turned into the results that you would hope the work turned into. But from the, the sounds of it, those players in that locker room enjoy him. I don't think he's head coaching material. I think I think he's a coordinator. And I think his, his press conferences scream coordinator. I think, you know, some of the things that, you know, some just some some of the amateurish ways that he has presented information to the media, I think screams coordinator. And that's uh, maybe a knock on him. I don't give a shit if it's a knock on him or not. But it, it, sometimes you find your level, and I think he is a coordinator. But if you want to put this team and this crew and this core in his hands for another year, I think it'd be a mistake. I think it's time to to, to pivot if you're Ryan Poles. You get your quarterback, you get your, your, your coach because I don't care what you say. Ryan Poles was hired, and then a couple of days later, the Bears head coach was hired. And that, that was not Ryan Poles' decision solely. And I'd like to see the dude, before I you know, send any more slings and arrows his way, I'd like to see the dude get his coach and his quarterback in his stable so we can see what, you know, what his talent evaluation on the, the most important levels of a franchise truly are. So, Bears fans, take a look at what you're going to see this weekend. Because if Ben Johnson, if he can do it with Jared Goff, I think he can do it with Justin Fields, depending on how these last seven games go, or Drake May or Caleb Williams. I think I think you got yourself quite the offensive mind there in Detroit. So that that's what I'll be watching this week. And of course, you know we've come to the point where. Uh, veterans, you know, start to get thrown to the side so they can take a look at other young players. And, you know, you, you, you've lost so much You're three and seven last seven games of the season, you know, get, getting the gander at, at, at some other positions. But all the Cody White here benching says to me is that Justin Fields doesn't have any room for error and snaps can't be the issue. You know, if Cody White here hadn't had his issues at center the last time we saw him and Justin Fields together, then I think he'd still be starting. I don't think Lucas Patrick is a better football player than Cody White here. I don't. But I think Lucas Patrick is a better center than Cody White here at this time. And the most important thing in football is this is the you know, this the, the quarterback center snap exchange. And that was a little too dicey the last time we saw Justin Fields and Cody White here. Yeah, manning that exchange. So now you got Tevin Jenkins, who was playing phenomenal football, I thought, over the last three or four weeks on the right side. Now he's got to switch back over to the left side. Nate Davis is healthy again. You got Nate Davis and Darnell Wright on that right side. Braxton Jones got worked back in the left tackle last week. So you got that going for you as well. All I know is, man, this this is the best, 
the best unit that Justin Fields has had as an offensive line since he's been a Bear. You know, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Lucas Patrick, Nate Davis, and Darnell Wright are the best starting five offensive linemen he's had. If you remember, Nate Davis missed four games in a row, so he hasn't really had a whole bunch of time with him. Tevin Jenkins missed the first four games of the season. So when, when, when Justin got back in there, he just pretty much got reintroduced to Tevin Jenkins, and Tevin Jenkins is there. Now Justin gets hurt. So this combination is, is the best one that he will have played behind since he's been a Bear. So I think they're removing some of the excuses, some moving, removing some of the variables, and try to get a real um, boilerplate kind of evaluation out of this dude over these last seven games. I'll be interested to see how much they run him. I'll be interested to see how that hand is going to affect him because he said there's still some healing that has to be done, uh, whatever that means, right? Because he, he's not fully healthy, but it's time for him to get back in there so they can figure out what, what they got to do in terms of a quarterback at the end of the year. And also, you know, he's got to put some stuff on tape for whatever his next stop may be. So looking forward to seeing Luke Getze run the same playbook that he ran with Tyson Bajan with Justin Fields. You know, see what, see what Justin quote-unquote learned while he was on the sidelines. Everybody's been saying the right things. It's time to see it execute. Do I think it's going to happen against this Lions team? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I was watching a Thursday night game the night before and watching Roquan Smith running around there blowing people up and shit. It's just, it's just crazy, man. It's just, it's still crazy to think that you had one of the two or three best linebackers in the game. You quibbled over a few dollars for it and then messed around and gave that money to Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards combined. And your defense has been what your defense has been. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think the Lions beat the Bears. I think the Lions beat the Bears. But I think more importantly, we get a chance to see Justin. I think Justin has a chance to play well and the Lions still win. Uh, I hope Justin plays well. I'm a Bears fan, right? And this is another thing, too. This is another thing. You know, because I, I encountered this this weekend. You know, I give you my honest opinion when it comes to Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears and, and everything. Uh, and I hope you I hope you guys accept that and understand that. But there's been this growing faction of people who think, hey man, you just can't be talking about the brother that way. You know, you, you, you sound like you you out on fields. Listen, I think this is applicable to the Chicago Bulls situation and Zach Levine as well. Trust that, you know, trust where I'm coming from, first off. Second of all, why are we so apt to give people um, breaks when they're not getting the results that we desire? Like, I'm a Bears fan. I'm a Justin Fields fan. But guess what? I can see because I watch all the games, how much losing is taking place. And if the quarterback position is the issue, then you got to make sure that you find a remedy for that issue. Right? Like the same thing with Zach Levine and the Chicago Bulls and people like, oh, you can't trade Zach. Why not? Why not? The only people that you can't move are winners. And you know why? Because you don't want to move them. <laughs> they don't give you a reason to move them. It's as simple as that. 
it ain't got shit to do with you know me talking down about the brothers because because I get it from both sides, right? You, know, you get a whole bunch of you know Oakley wearing you know flag waving dudes telling me that that Justin is a running back and how you know he can do no wrong in my eyes, and then I get the brothers on on the other hand. Oh, I ain't talking bad about the brother, you know? It's, it's a it's a it's a conspiracy, you know? I mean, shut y'all asses up. Everybody, shut the fuck up. How about that? Look at the results. What are we talking about here? The offense hasn't fared well. He's in year three. Obviously, something is not connecting. There's obviously issues where he's holding the ball too long. Maybe he's not being utilized correctly. <clears throat> no, not maybe. He obviously isn't being utilized correctly. But in the end, <laughs> you got what you got. The results are the results. So, no, no. Miss me with all that bullshit. This. This is, and 1985 is too long ago for me to be sitting around thinking, you know, ah, well, I got to keep going with it because he's one of the brothers. Man, you know how many brothers I've rooted for that wore the orange and blue that wasn't shit? He wouldn't be the first one. So what are we talking about here? The Bears are bad. I don't like it when the Bears are bad. I want the Bears to not be bad. If the quarterback is the issue, then let's fix the issue. <coughs> I just, I don't know, man. I just, I get, uh, I don't know. I get, I get weirded out by the conversations that, that, that are around not only Justin, but the, the bears, like all of this is substandard. There's no way in hell we should be watching the Pittsburgh Steelers be six and three or whatever the hell their record is. with one of the worst offenses in football. And you know what? They have an identity. They have a personality. There's certain things that you know that you are going to be able to count on, especially on the defensive side of football, until the offense comes along. Can't do none of that here. So while we quibbling about Justin Fields or Caleb Williams or Drake May, the rest of the NFL is going on with their lives and, and, and playing some, some high-quality football, the, the, the league is wide open. Like, you know, people are waiting for Miami to fall off a cliff. Would you be surprised if Miami was, was representing the AFC in the Super Bowl? I would. You got Joe Burrow and the, and the Cincinnati Bengals who might be dead in the water now after this wrist injury. Like, there's so many things happening in the league and so many, so many avenues and, and so many teams that are rising up and winning that you're sitting in the cut like, uh, <laughs> when, at what point are the Bears going to be one of these? So you guys can have your... You know, your sociologist conversations when it comes to the quarterback position and how how you should be treating the brother or how you shouldn't, you know, you should be talking about him in, in different terms. Nah, man. Hey, if he ain't getting a job done, he ain't getting a job done. And when he gets a job done, I'm the first one on here saying so. I think Justin Fields is a talented quarterback who might have a Jared Goff-like resurgence. He might go somewhere else and do his thing, and I would not be surprised but it just isn't happening here. These last seven games are pivotal, not only for the drafts, but in his career and the Bears' future. So as they go up against the Detroit Lions team, who's one of the best in the league, I don't give him much of a chance to win this game, but there's still a chance for him to perform, and uh, I'm looking forward to it now because kind of went crazy with this Tyson Bajan thing over the last couple of weeks. We, we, I'm, I'm so... I'm so ready to not watch Pop Warner football. I don't give a shit what anybody says, including Alex. Shout out to our guy, Alex Brown. 
And Tuesdays yeah, with Alex is has become uh, quite the uh, spectacle for a lot of people out there. I, I'm reading your tweets. I'm reading your comments. <laughs> people love Tuesdays with Alex more. They can't wait to hear the shit he's gonna say next. So keep on hanging out with us. We, we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, on Sunday we got ourselves a nice little holiday week coming up here. You know, Thanksgiving around the corner. You know, get your Bears game out the way on Sunday, and then get to get ready to watch the rest of the NFL play. But nah, I don't think the Bears are gonna win this game. I'm looking forward to seeing Justin do his thing. I'm actually looking forward to seeing Ben Johnson do his thing too, because um, I'm thinking about the next Super Bowl that the Bears need to win, which is maybe four or five years away. But you know, those steps start uh, in getting counterintelligence, which is what I'm looking forward to in this week's game. So I think the Bears lose, but Justin Fields gets back on the field and hooray for excitement and entertainment. I know I'm going to get that some way, somehow. It's Chicago in the house. Let me hear you say yeah. Yo, you listening to the Full Go podcast with my man Jason Golf. It's your boy Dave Jeff. Holla at y'all. Much love. That's all the time we have for episode 316 of the Full Go podcast. Want to thank our guest, Eric Woodyard from ESPN, covering the Lions. Also, Evan Turner, the Point Forward podcast. He does that with Andre Iguodala. Check him out. The man is... uh. He's got some opinions, you know, Evan Turner ain't going to bite his tongue. Uh, I'm, I'll tell you that. So appreciate Evan and Eric for jumping on with us. Want to thank our production staff as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the exceptional one, Kyle Williams. Always good to see Kyle paternity, Poppy, Tony Gill. Hey, Tony, jump out the goddamn group chats. Okay. If you're not working, stop sending sports text messages. Okay. You've been, I'm on two or three different group texts with Tony. He's out here. He's burping babies. He's changing babies. He's getting bored, whatever the case may be. Enjoy your paternity leave, man. Stay your ass out of the group chats. All right. We appreciate and, you. And late night texts. Too. <laughs> yeah, like he's, yeah. Like he's in the middle of the night. He's up in the middle well, of the night. He needs now. to cut that shit out. Period. Okay. <laughs> Cause I I'm tired of looking at my phone, you know, and a little bit of pee coming out at two in the morning thinking like, oh shit, is this the night that my relationship ends because somebody's texting me at two in the fucking morning and I can't explain it. So Tony, knock that shit the fuck off, okay? And I mean that sincerely, but halfway jokingly, all right? You're the reason why my goddamn phone is on vibrate now because you can't wait to ask basketball questions at two in the goddamn morning, okay? Cut that shit out, Tony. I love you. I love you, but cut it out, you know? Boy got a nice little streak of of good days. It's like ocean in this bitch. You know what I mean? Like there's been no accidents in this workplace for going on three, four months. Knock it off, Tom. And of course, the chief vibes officer himself actually talked about him uh, with my therapist today, Doctor Wilson. I mentioned I mentioned Chris. I'm like, yeah, man. You know, I was talking to her about how. Uh-oh. Yeah, you know what it was. <laughs> no, I was ta- I was talking to her about like um the reactions and how I used to get like immediate reactions with phone calls and text messages for 16, 17 years of my life when it came to this medium. And now what I base it, what if I'm having a decent segment or if a segment's dragging on, or, you know, if I feel like, you know, my word economy is out of place is the reactions of you guys. Right. And, you know, you, Tony and Kyle. So, 
And, you know, I told her, you know, you keep the vibes high for us. So that's why you have been dubbed the chief vibes officer. And that was a long explanation that no one really gives a shit about nor cares about. So I'll wrap it up. He is the chief vibes officer, Chris Sutton. And of course, of course, y'all, um, we appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for downloading this thing. You know, thank you for following us on the socials. Thank you for sharing this with your family and friends. Uh, it's going to be holiday season coming up here. So, you know, pass this podcast out, you know, let, let your people know when they, it's your soirees, it's your friends, givings, all those things. Like, Hey man, you checking out golf on the full go, you know, pass it along. It, it will be greatly appreciated. Make sure that you are rating and reviewing us, giving us five stars. You know, we need, if not, we're going to see you in the streets and that's definite this week. Cause we're going to be outside, outside. Okay. We're traveling. Right, I got, I got houses to go to. I got dry Turkey to eat. I got, you know, bad liquor to drink with family members who don't, you know, have the same taste as me. You know what I mean? Like, it's nothing like pulling up at your family situation and looking at them like, oh, that's what y'all, okay, that's what, that's what we're doing. All right, well, all right, all right, all right. Oh, OE 800 it is. Let's get it. All right, a little malt liquor don't hurt nobody. Yeah. You sure you still want to be doing this, Granny? All right, bet, 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 bet. Yeah, man, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the weekend. We will talk to y'all on Sunday. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. one 800 9 with it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 100... Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y in New York. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. 
With the Power's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.